Hello, what an honor and a blessing to be able to speak at Excel tonight. I'm so grateful to be here. And for those of you that may not know me, my name is Evelyn Gerard, and I'm the children's pastor here at Belmont Assembly of God. And I also happen to be Pastor Joey's sister. In fact, Pastor Joey is my little brother. Well, maybe not so little, but he's my younger brother. And you guys may very well know that Pastor Joey was raised with three sisters as the only boy. And man, did God know what he was doing when he gave him three sisters, because he would in fact need all three of us to keep him on the right path. You know, Pastor Joey was the only boy. So as is very common in a Latin family, he was the king. He was spoiled. He was actually referred to as El Nene, the boy, the prince of the house. He could do no wrong, and he was just to be pampered. So us sisters had to step in, obviously, and we kept him humble and on his toes and growing. We had to prepare him for life because honestly, if it had just been up to my parents, he would have been spoiled his whole life. And so, yes, he's the spoiled one, but we keep him humble. Um, and it's awesome, you know, being sisters and you guys know if you have younger siblings, kind of part of it is, you know, give them a little torturing and, and make them suffer just a little bit so they appreciate life and they know what hardship is all about. And boy, were we good at that, you know? probably a little better at it than my other sisters, but um, I'm sure you've heard a sermon or two or 10 in which he refers to his one sibling that maybe made things a little bit more difficult for him. That was me. Um, but you know, being his sister wasn't always a cakewalk. It required some work. It was hard to, you know, be a sibling to someone who was the king and the prince of the house. But man, did we live up for it. We made sure to be good sisters and poke at him and, and keep him humble. And we did not miss out a single opportunity to make fun of him and remind him of his imperfections. You know, in fact, till this day, we always think back at a time where I think it was after church. I don't remember all the details, but we were all together and Joey had to go into the store to pick up a two liter of pop. And back in the day, the two liter of pops were like 99 cents. And so I think he got something like $10 and in he goes and he's kind of taking a while. We're like, all right, maybe there's a line or something. He finally comes back. He hands my sister some change and it's like $2. She's like, I gave you $10. Where's the rest of my change? He's like, well, that's all I got. She's like, what do you mean that's all you got? You didn't count it? They didn't charge you $8 for a two liter of pop. He was like, I don't know. That's what I got. I gave her the money. We're like, you didn't know? Joey, go back in there and get your money back. And he was like, well, I'm not. And he, he was like, what is happening? And at that point, I wasn't exactly sure that he wasn't doing things wrong just so that we wouldn't ask him to do anything. I thought, this kid is smart. He knows what he's doing. Whatever his reason was, being the typical sisters that we were, we were like, you know what? Forget it. We'll go do it. We'll fix it. And so we didn't often send him to do things unless we absolutely had to. We were like, we're going to do it ourselves. Um, and so we loved to make fun of him, be like, man, you don't even know how much a pop was. You don't even, I mean, we'll just make fun of him. We just thought, man, this, this kid, he doesn't have any common sense. And we just love to poke fun at him. But there's one thing that even back then we had recognized and we knew. We knew that God was going to do great things through him. Not only because he had the anointing, 
but because he was willing to surrender at a very young age. I can think back to coming home from high school and he would be sitting on the stoop with a bunch of guys. I mean, gangbangers and non-gangbangers alike. It didn't matter if you were in the neighborhood, he was going to call you over and have you sit on the stoop and he was going to share the gospel. He was going to share the word of God with anyone that was willing to listen. And even as a young teenager, you know, it's not common for a 15 and 16 year old to prefer to share the word of God than just about anything else. And even then, God used him. And man, it has been such a blessing to be able to see as he's continued to walk in obedience to the Lord, all that God has done in his life, as he's now passed a decade of pastoring and being able to preach, you know, every week at his home church and all over the world, whenever God calls him, it's a blessing to be able to see how God is using, you know, this spoiled kid who we had to make sure that we got ready for life. God, God had a plan and God was executing that in his life and continues to do so. And now, now I have the blessing to not only watch him walk in his calling, but I get to minister alongside of him. We get to pastor together and I get to learn from him and glean from him. And, and it's just amazing to be able to work alongside of him in ministry. I am grateful for that. And, you know, I'm grateful for God has used him not only in the ministry, but even in my own life. So as today I was thinking about, uh, or this week, as I was thinking about what I would speak about today, and I was just kind of praying and asking God, I really felt I wanted to share a little bit about myself and how the decisions I began to make at your age laid the groundwork for what my life would look like for the next few decades. And so it was at your age that I began to feel trapped. I began to feel like it was so much work to be a good Christian girl. And that's honestly how I was living my life. We grew up in a Christian home. We grew up going to church all the time. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesdays, Thursdays, at least Friday, if not Friday and Saturday. I mean, for whatever it was, we were in church. And I got really used to kind of just living there and just kind of coasting through. You know, I would listen to the sermon. I would, you know, read a devotional occasionally. Um, you know, I sang in all the choirs. I knew, I knew that God loved me at a very early age. I surrendered my heart to him. I was baptized when I was 11, but I was missing something pretty crucial. I was missing this intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And because I was missing that, my choices were not the best in terms of biblical standards, right? And my choices led me further and further away from God. And it's funny because in the last few weeks, I have been studying um, the creation. We are beginning a whole new a series with our Compass Kids and our Sunday School, and we are starting at square one. And so I have been looking at Genesis, the beginning of creation and everything in it. And in the past, in the past few days, I have been really looking at the creation of man and woman and what that looked like. And I loved how God created mankind. He created Adam and Eve to live in perfect harmony with him in the Garden of Eden, to walk and talk and be with him in 
paradise. And it was one choice, one choice that changed everything for Adam and Eve and a result, all mankind. Eve believed the lie of the devil. She believed the lie of Satan and decided that she knew best without considering God's instructions. And so when she took that fruit and she ate it, she took the decision that was all her own. She didn't even wait for Adam. She said, yeah, she believed it. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Many of you may be already familiar. Most people are with Genesis creation and you know mankind and you know that the serpent came and was sweet talking Eve and she was easily convinced that maybe it wasn't so bad to eat from the tree in the middle of the, of the garden, from the tree of good and evil. And so I want to look at this verse, Genesis 3, 6. Okay, looking at the NLT version and Genesis 3, 6 says the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. You know, Satan is an expert at making sin look appealing, at making it look good, almost easy. And Eve, you know, I love in this verse where we see that Eve saw, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. It was appealing to her flesh, okay? It was appealing to her sinful nature, her flesh, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. It was also appealing to her mind. You know, she was like, oh, I want to know more. I want to know what God knows. It was very appealing to her. And, you know, this same scenario continued to repeat throughout history and even today. The enemy that Eve faced in the Garden of Eden is the enemy that we still face today. He is still spewing lies. He is still trying to pull us away from a personal relationship with God the Father. You know, he's just so good at making sin look good and feel good and sound good. But I want to remind you guys that sin isn't just doing what's wrong. It's also not doing what's right but according to God's rules. That portion is really important. Not doing what's right according to God's rules. Now, if Eve did what she felt was good, okay? Remember, she was led by the flesh, her feelings. They dictated what she did and didn't do. And we are surrounded by a culture that everywhere is sending us the message that we should do what feels good. If it feels good, go for it. If it makes you happy, do it. If you're not hurting every, anyone, what's the big deal? Live your life how you want to live it. You only get one, right? We hear that message everywhere. We see it everywhere. We read it everywhere. It's constantly in our faces. It doesn't matter if what we do is biblically wrong. There's a good distinction. So Eve did what her feelings led her to do, right? Her flesh led her to do. And she didn't do what God commanded. She sinned because she did things her own way, not God's way. It's so easy for us to do things 
our way. It's a lot harder for us to do things God's way. God clearly told her, do not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And she looked back, you know, with help from the, from the devil and Satan. And she was like, oh, well, it does look good. Why wouldn't God want me to eat from it? It's, it looks just as good as every other tree, maybe even more delicious. And you know, oftentimes we can focus on the things that we can't have and that can dictate what we do instead of understanding that the things that maybe are not permissible according to the word of God, things that we shouldn't do that God tells us not to do, we fail to see that these are things that God set as boundaries for our own good. There will be consequences if we go ahead and do everything that we want to do, even if it goes against God's word. And you know, the thing about sin is that it doesn't always look bad. Sin, sometimes there are certain sins that may look good and those are probably the hardest to avoid. You know, oh, I just, I just want to live my life. I want to, you know, I want to have a significant other. I want a boyfriend or a girlfriend and I want to know what it's like to be loved. And we may go into that relationship without biblical boundaries and end up crossing some lines that will offer some pretty severe consequences for us. You know, we're, we're listening to like the devil is constantly in our ear, like, man, you're not going to die. It's not going to be that bad. Just like he told Eve, you're not going to die. God knows that your eyes will be open. And as soon as you eat it, you eat it, you're going to be like God. You're going to know both good and evil. And boy, was I there. I thought, why is everything not supposed to be good? Why am I just supposed to be a good Christian girl? The world had so much to offer. And I was pretty good while I was at home and I had these clear boundaries and really strict parents. But the moment I tasted some freedom, the moment I was off to college, I tried it all. I did it all. I was no longer a good Christian girl. I... And I promise you, I'm so grateful for God, right? I'm so grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that really did keep me from going completely buck wild. And I love the discernment that he gave my mother because I promise you, oh my gosh, I promise you, I was about to go leave my dorm to go do something that I very obviously should not be doing. And I would get a phone call from my mother. I'd be like, mom? And after a few times of this happening, I was convinced that my mother had bugged my room, that she just knew where I was going and what I was doing. I remember searching my room and like pulling back my curtains and flipping over my teddy bear like she planted something. She knows that was all God. That was the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that he not only spoke to my mother so she knew when she needed to call me, but that was a good reminder for me that God was watching. But after time... I got really good at ignoring that voice. I got really good at just not answering the phone when my mom called. I got really good at doing what I felt was good and ignoring what I knew to be right. And that's the danger of sinning, right? When we are led by the flesh, it's not only easy to believe the lies of the enemy, but sinning becomes easier. If I'm not hurting anybody, what's the big deal, right? We start making excuses. We start figuring out how what we're doing is okay in the grand scheme of things. Like God knows my heart. I'm not bad. But things can quickly escalate. And once and once you stop listening to the voice and the prompting of God, when you start muting his voice, 
eventually, you don't really hear it. You know, the only way to recognize the lies of the enemy, the only way to resist temptation is knowing the truth of God's word. I love, I love this verse in Joshua when we, it's Joshua 1, when Joshua now becomes a successor to Moses. Uh, Moses is dead and God has chosen Joshua to now lead um, the people of Israel into the promised land. And he begins um, to speak to Joshua just like he did to Moses. And in Joshua 1, verse 8, God tells Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And I want to break down this first. There are three really important steps. God wanted Joshua to be successful. He had a plan and a purpose for him. He had prepared him for this, but he had to commit to doing three things in order to be successful in what God had planned for him. The first thing he had to do was study the book of instructions. He had to study the word of God. Now, let me remind you guys, a devotion is pretty good, right? Every, we wake up in the morning, five minute devotion because I'm rushing. It's cool. You know, at night before you go to bed, that's great. But if you're just kind of reading the word for five minutes and you're moving on, but you're not really studying the word of God, you're not putting all your attention, removing the distractions. It's not about checking a box like, okay, God. I was a good Christian. It's about, God, I want to know you. When we study the word of God, when we really go and ask God to reveal himself through his word, then that word comes to life and that word begins to, to take root in our hearts. And God could then start changing our actions because he's changing our hearts. You know, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that we say and the things that we do are rooted in the word of God or they're not. So the first one is study, right? The second thing is meditate. And to meditate is to think deeply and carefully about something. So it's not check, I did it. Okay, God, I'll be good. But if you're really studying, if you're giving all of your attention to that, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes, but if you're truly studying it and you're thinking about that throughout the day, that's a thought that's constantly with you. And all I kept thinking, even when I was thinking of this the last few days, I was like, God, it was one choice, one choice, one choice from Eve to Adam, to all of us, meditating on it, thinking about it. And then when we've read the word and we've meditated on it, we know what it is. We need to obey it. We need to ask ourselves anytime that we're spending time in scripture, what do I have to do? How does this apply to me? How can I put this into practice in my own life? It is not just okay to know the word of God. You've got to be able to obey the word of God. This is what having a personal relationship with God is. This is what walking with God is all about. Had I had that discipline as a teenager, had I known what it was like to intimately walk with God? Had I read the word like I'm able to read the word now with joy and craving and questions and so excited about what God reveals to me in it? If I had done this then, my choices would have been so different. 
You see, the Bible is this perfect instruction. The Bible is the truth that not only exposes the lies of the enemy so we can identify them, but then we can help avoid them through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his word deposited in our heart. And I love John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, as Jesus is speaking to new converts, people who have surrendered their hearts to him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We need to know the word of God. If we know the word of God and we actually stick with it, you know, we need to measure our choices against what the word of God says and the standard that Jesus has already set for us. He has a way that he wants us to live. And we're only really going to know that if we're in his word. I mean, it's great to listen to a sermon on Sunday and on Thursday and maybe have a podcast, but this has to be you seeking God out, you spending time in his word and God revealing to you the truth, God revealing what his standard is. It's not, well, I'm better than my brother. I'm not so bad as my cousin or I'm a good Christian. What is God's standard? Where is he asking us to be? And are we meeting that? And if not, God, can you help us? Can you help me to be more like you? You know, we learned a really big word with our kids. And I love that, you know, even a seven-year-old now, you know, Encompass Kids, we walk up, we're like, hey, what's that word? Sanctification. And I love that word. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not overnight. It's a slow process. It happens all of our life. As we continue to walk in, with God, we continue to become more like Jesus. We understand Jesus' standards and we want to live up to those standards. So when we know the truth, we know what's right. We choose to walk according to those standards. Then we can enjoy true freedom and success. I thought as a teenager, oh my gosh, all I have is rules and things that I can't do and things that I that I am not supposed to do. And I just want to live life and I just want to experience it for myself. And I just want to see what's out there, right? And here's the thing that happened with me. You know, I got to college and I was trying things and doing things and, and it didn't matter. And, you know, I kind of made it through college and I ended up stumbling into this really amazing career. And all of a sudden, I was just living for my job. You know, it wasn't better. It was a job. Who didn't want a career? Who didn't want to be a successful woman? Who didn't want to have a lucrative job where I made, you know, really good money? And I thought, man, this is awesome. And slowly but surely, that became my priority. That became my focus. All of my energy went in that. My identity was not Evelyn, the daughter of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, the creator of the universe. I was Evelyn, the excellent employee of XYZ company and, you know, a top performer, a high, a high, um, excelling, you know, performer. And that's, I was known for that. I lived for it. I worked nights and weekends and, and crazy hours so much so that slowly but surely I just stopped going to church altogether. I lived for my flesh. I lived for money. I lived for prestige. I lived for, I lived for status. I lived for everything except for God. And you know, the funny thing is the more that I achieved, the more money that I made, the more promotions that I received, the emptier and emptier I felt. And after a while, all of that success, all of that success started leaving me empty. I was 
physically, I carried stress in my body. I was physically deteriorating, emotionally deteriorating, mentally deteriorating. And I thought, why, if I am, you know, so successful, do I feel so empty? No matter what I did, it wasn't enough. And that's when God began to speak to me. And I was so broken. And I was so lost that I could now hear his voice. I was just wanting something to save me. And I remember clearly, I thought, okay, God, I got to come back. I got to figure this out. I, I have to make a priority. And it didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. But I remember it was a very crucial choice when I thought I got to get back to church. And I didn't have a home church and I didn't know where to go. And I was surrounded by a lot of, you know, Christian family. But I, I didn't know where. And I remember just kind of praying. And God brought to mind my brother, Pastor Joey. And I thought, man, he loves Jesus. He's thriving. He's growing. Let me check out where he goes. Let, let me see what his church is all about. And it was very different than anything that I had ever grown up in. You know, I grew up in a church where you didn't clap, where you didn't sing loud, where no one really said anything other than an amen, where women were not allowed on the pulpit. Like it was a lot of rules and regulations. It was kind of somber, sometimes a little sad. And I remember walking into the doors of Belmont and thinking, wow, this is different. I remember feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, feeling the joy. I remember walking in and worshiping and I was like, these people are truly worshiping. Like their hands are in the air. And it took me a while to be able to raise my hands because I thought, well, we don't do that. Like we'd, and it took me a little bit. But after a few weeks of going, I remember thinking, this is it. This is what's missing. This is what I've needed. God, I needed you. It didn't matter how much money I made. It didn't matter how many promotions I got. It didn't matter, you know, how many wonderful brand name outfits I had. I needed Jesus. My relationship with him was missing and coming back to church was one step. But it was truly surrendering and surrendering took work and took time. But when I truly surrendered my life to God, when I made my personal relationship with him a priority, when I stuck to his word, not only did I experience freedom, the weight of sin, the guilt that I had for living this life that I knew was wrong, but I wanted to try I experienced true freedom from the sins and the, and the chains that were associated with it. And I began to see that the success in my life wasn't what I could accomplish in career, in my career. You know, it's good. It's fine. But it was what I could do in the kingdom of God. How I can be a part of something that would not only be while I was here on earth, but would have everlasting effects in eternity how I can be a part of that. And I love the fact that, you know, when we are used by God, we don't know what he's going to do. You could share the gospel and turn one person to Christ. And that one person turns five. And that five turns 20. And those 20 turn to 50. And the 50 are 75. And it keeps growing and growing. You don't know how one act of obedience God is going to use to continue to multiply. I was able to, at that point, when I finally learned to surrender to God, I was able to truly live a purposeful and fruitful life. God wants us to live according to his will, according to his word. 
And I love Psalms. I, re- I try to read Psalms almost every day. Psalms 1 verses 1 through 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Oh, there is something so beautiful to be rooted in the word of God, to delight in the word. It is refreshing to your soul. It is renewing to your mind and your spirit to produce fruit that will last for all eternity to truly prosper. God was so good and so merciful in his divine plan. He ended up pulling me out of my career in the secular world and slowly but surely brought me into ministry, into my dream job, right? Ministry that I never thought was even a possibility to be able to dedicate my life to pointing people, to pointing kids to Jesus. You know, and I'm going to go back to D.L. Moody because there's another quote that really, that really sticks out to me. And it's, it's a constant reminder as I walk the halls of Compass Kids, as I'm praying over the ministry and I'm praying that God would give me vision and help me to walk in obedience and to, and to teach these kids the word of God, to love it. And I'm constantly reminded of his quote where he had gone out to evangelize and he came back and they asked him how it went. And he said, while I was able to lead two and a half lives to Jesus. And they were like, oh, wow, you got one child. How awesome. And he was like, no, no, I led two children and one adult to Jesus. He goes, you see, if you lead an adult to Jesus, that's a part of a life. But if you lead a child to Jesus, it's a whole life. And my desire is that you will allow God to move in your heart so that your whole life beginning now can be on purpose for his glory and for your good. Many of you, you know, who just came back from camp might have gotten a divine revelation, a new awakening, a renewed commitment. God has something planned for you. Maybe he's already revealed it. Maybe he's in the process of revealing it. Maybe you're asking him right now, trust and surrender to God's will. Search for it. Seek him out. Spend time. Make that a priority. You will never regret every single day that you spend serving God. You will never regret. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many experiences in the world I had. Nothing filled me. Nothing brings me joy like serving God. And yeah, I'm starting off a little later in life, but I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful that God can use us no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, as long as we surrender, God can make a whole new story in our lives. That is my prayer for you, that God would do big and beautiful things when you surrender to him, when you walk in obedience and choose him. May he be your choice today. Let me close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you choose us that you call us to you, dear Jesus, that we matter so much to you, that you sent your one and only son, Lord, to pay the price for our sin, to make us clean and new and restore our relationship with you. 
when we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to be made right in the, with you, Lord, and to live a life that is fruitful and successful according to your word. Lord, I pray for each and every person listening today. Lord, will you move in their life, dear Jesus? Will you sweetly call them, dear Jesus, and let them know that choosing you is the best choice that they can ever make? Lord, will you reveal yourself in your word to them, dear Jesus? Will you help them to walk in their purpose and to choose you every single day so that they may live for your glory and their good? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you guys. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies of how 10 and 20 years from now, you can look back and see how God used you when you chose to surrender. God bless you guys.